Hello and welcome to Heart in Art, the podcast that connects people through creativity. I'm your host, Danny Vanderbrook, a UK-based fiction writer and freelance journalist. I'm excited to be here and share the many enthusiastic voices of the international art scene. Each week, we deal with a philosophical question related to the arts and explore the thoughts of our guests in relation to their own craft. In our July 2020 episode, I speak with children's author and journalist Ritu Hemnani, and we'll be exploring the power of truth in storytelling. I'm joined today by Ritu Hamnani. She's an author, teacher, journalist, and TEDx presenter who promotes inclusiveness and diversity in her writing. Her stories have been published in South China Morning Post, Asian Literary Review, and Reader's Digest. Ritu's children's book, Go for Mira, A Migration Story, seeks to foster awareness and empathy for migrants in our communities. Ritu is a committed writing ambassador for Home of Loving Faithfulness, which serves the disabled community in Hong Kong and serves on the judging committee, the Kids for Kids, annual My Story Creation Writing Competition. Ritu is an active member of the Hong Kong in Women's Publishing Society and the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. When not writing or teaching, Ritu delights in theatre, photography, and is a busy wife and mother to three extraordinary kids. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Danny, for the warm welcome. It's great to be here. So today you're here and we're going to talk about the power of truth in the stories that we tell. So when did you first start writing? Have you always written what's true to you? Ah, good question. Um, I don't think there was a, a time I can remember not writing. I wrote as a child, as a young child, I would have a secret diary where I would write all my secret thoughts about people. <laughs> I long letters to all my family around the world. But the thing I loved writing most was poetry. And um, my best poems were always written whenever I took public transport. So I would ah. on a Hong Kong star ferry and write interesting poems about all the, the interesting people I saw and stretch the truth just a little bit. They would always be <laughs> someone with extra hooked nose or have a mole on their chin with a sprouting hair a mile long. And I had lots of fun with that. And I even wrote a poem about my feelings from the top deck of a moving bus one day. It won me a school prize from a competition. So that was even more incentive when I started winning prizes. Oh, so the, the travel and public transport is not a second wasted, is it? <laughs> you know, when I sat on the MTR, I used to, to listen to people's conversations for potential dialogue. And <laughs> you can learn so much from public transport. So the next time you get on a train or you go on a boat, look around and grab a scrap piece of paper out and, and see what you think. Exactly. There'll be a lot of paranoid people out there now who every time they go. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your historical fiction children's book. How much of that is the truth? Go Mira, A Migration Story, um, yeah. historical fiction picture book based on the story of Go Mira. Go Mira, um, I don't tell too many people this, but Go Mira are actually my mum and dad. So oh, okay. Based on a true story. Of course, there are some fictional elements. Um, and the great thing is that when I go into school, and children find out that it's partially true. They're really curious to know which bits are true and did they really climb the mango trees? Did she really have a blue stone? Yeah. Um, I think we are always often drawn to stories that are true because sometimes yeah. it's just so hard to believe something so heartbreaking or hope-filled could actually really happen in the world. Yeah. And it's certainly yeah, something true. that captivates children. Yeah, and also that, especially with fiction writers, that kind of blurred boundary between, you know, fact and fiction, um, yeah. it is something that, that fascinates people, I think. How did the inspiration for the book come about? And obviously, you know, it's, it's a personal story. 
it all really started uh, with my daughter Nadia. She was eight years old at the time and she yeah. came home with a homework question asking, why do people migrate? Um, and I said to her, well, actually, it's funny you ask because our ancestors, our very own people, were part of the, one of the biggest mass migrations in world history, if not the biggest. Yeah. curious, went to the, the library to find children's books on partition and we found children's books on the Holocaust, children's books on the world wars and not a single book on, on partition. So she thought I was making it up. And I just thought, gosh, how could I make this up? And so I decided to write the book that we couldn't find. And initially, it was just going to be for my family. It was just going to be for close family friends. But when I saw the impact that it made on my kids um, yeah. and close friends and their kids, I just thought, I think this book needs to go further. I think that this, the message of this book needs to spread. And so I had it professionally published and I'm spreading it as far and wide as I can. Yeah, I think it's such a good thing, you know, especially with race relations being as they are at the moment. It's dialogue about bringing colonial history really into the curriculum globally because it, it's hidden. Let's face it. I mean, when this was written, so many people thanked me because they said, well, you know, we didn't even know what happened or exactly, you know, how desperate people were at the time. Mm -hmm. And so you know, for my own children, um, they really feel it's their story. They're very proud of it. And I feel it's empowered them. It's strengthened them. and if, it, if a book can do that for children, then I think it's done something good. Yeah, definitely. It's a really serious and tragic chapter in history. How do you go about making something so grave, so tragic, suitable for children? Well, the first thing I wanted to do was create some kind of attachment to the place. So I, I created a very idyllic homeland of Sindh where they were flying kites, they were climbing the mango trees. It was a beautiful place and it really was a beautiful place for people to live. Yeah. Um, and then I shared the celebration of independence, how exciting a time it was, the food they ate, the songs they, they listened to, the clothes they wore when they danced and they enjoyed, and the flag that was finally hoisted. It was a very proud time in, in India's history. Yeah. Um, and with, with any good story, you will have the good sides and the bad sides and the happy times and the sad times. And so, you know, when the disaster of partition then took place, it, it naturally follows on and children tend to accept it quite easily. And I, I certainly didn't sugarcoat anything that happened. I was very clear about how devastating it was, how people had to leave with just the clothes on their back, sometimes carrying the only things they could take on their heads, um, sometimes walking for miles in the heat. I talked about how people were so desperate that sometimes they had to sit on a, at the top of a moving train because they had no other choice. Throughout the book, children are rooting for Gopamira. You know, they, they get separated on the train and will yeah. they find each other again? Yeah. So it, keeps the hope, it keeps the hope going. And I think that kind of dulled the horrific trauma of the times a little bit as well. So yeah. it was a bad. So it had that fairy tale element to it as well, just to, I think, tone it down and make it applicable for, for that age group. Yeah, and I think there's the human element to it as well, that by that point, the children are invested in, in Gopamira and, like you say, want them to, to meet again. <laughs> so um, for those that don't know um, about the partition, the partition between India and Pakistan happened in 1947, and it basically broke Sindh apart, so caused one of the biggest diasporas in, in history. Do you want to add to that, <laughs> if I missed anything? It's, this story is about why the Hindu Sindhis are scattered across the world today, why yeah. they have no that they can call home. So it's a story of the loss and the pain, but at the same time, it's a story of the hope and the resilience that the Sindhi people had, the sacrifices that they then went on to make so that generations like mine have the opportunities that we have today. 
And so when we read stories like this, I think we just feel so grateful. Um, yeah. and so, so much more of a responsibility that, you know, they did so much for us. And, you know, how are we passing that on to the kids that we have today? Are we spoiling them and, and showing them to not take one day for granted after all mm -hmm. the hard work and sacrifice that was given for them? And in that in itself, I think it does so much for your character. It's so, so rich in building your character. And I, I've certainly seen that in my own children since, since writing this book. Yeah, I think there's something very important about knowing where you come from. Yeah. yeah, to know you know whether it was a sad or a happy history, just to know where your roots lie and what you've inherited, because that's really what you have to carry forward and, and pass down, and and it, it impacts everything you do with the attitude that you have, um, yeah. the mind you have. You know, you go into something and you think, well, I can do this. If you have the I can approach, you're almost likely to succeed. So, yeah. so I mean. Obviously, this is directed towards children and you've been on school visits. What kind of truths do you hear in uh, on those school visits? Because I'm a teacher and children can come out with very truthful, brutally truthful things sometimes. I love visiting different towns across Hong Kong and just, just sharing about the plight of migrants. And it's, it's surprising how so many people are completely clueless. They're unaware of, of the what's going on and how desperate people are in the world. Yeah. They live in little of how no there are no people in need or certainly not like that that doesn't happen certainly not in Hong Kong um, and then you have the other side that are very aware and sometimes their families are involved in serving and helping and thinking about really what we can do and that's really the crux of it just awareness because the more yeah. you're aware the more likely you are to actually think well you know I might I might think about doing something about this maybe I can help somebody yeah um, or certainly teach someone else about being open-minded to people who don't have everything that we have yeah but I have to say that the, my favorite part about a school visit is that moment where I spot that one person sitting at the back of the room and their eyes light up because oh. they realize it's finally telling their story and mm -hmm. they might not they might not be Cindy they might not be Indian but they've experienced some kind of loss sometimes it's migration story as well yeah and sometimes it's just story of pain sometimes it's a story of sacrifice and they can relate and when they put their hand up and they start sharing it's just magic because yeah. it, you see all the other students in the classroom joining the dots about something that is so real and raw to this one student and I just I leave the school feeling so privileged that I had the yeah. chance to be involved in that process so it's amazing to unlock that um, and I think that issue of representation is so important. So, I mean, what do you think of the representation of Cindy's or Indians or even more broadly people of colour, particularly in children's fiction? I think there's a great demand, a great need for diverse books. Um, mm -hmm. I think that we may be black, we may be brown, we may be purple, but unless we teach children about awareness and empathy, we're nowhere closer to bringing the world into a community of acceptance. I think we're so far removed from universal acceptance today, and we can see it just from what's happening in the media. Um, and the first place to start is in schools, is through books, is to show diverse worlds, diverse cultures, show um, acceptance, empathy, understanding, and awareness, just so that it's not different, it's not so far removed. Because I think oftentimes people behave the way they do out of fear of the yeah. unknown, out mm -hmm. of um, understanding that something's so different, something doesn't, doesn't seem to fit, and so it's wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so important that we educate our youth otherwise, just so that 
we can strive towards universal acceptance. Yeah, and I think also in the world of fiction, that's one of the few places where we teach empathy and we learn empathy, isn't it? By imagining that we are one of those characters and seeing ourselves in them. So, so Absolutely. Important. I mean, when I get halfway through this story in schools, I ask everyone to shut their eyes and I tell them to imagine if they had to leave their only homeland and take only three things with them and yeah. they couldn't. It couldn't be devices, like it couldn't be a phone or an iPad or anything like that. <laughs> what would they take? And it's incredible what some of them come out with. You know, really? they'll stop and they'll think, gosh, you know, it'll be the book that my nana gave me because it was so important to me, or it'll be my, you know, the photograph of the family because I don't know if I'm going to see them again. And, oh, you know, it's things yeah. like that. And mm-hmm. really stop to think, what am I going to miss the most? And what would I take? And oh my gosh, I can't believe that there were kids that position yeah that's it it really does make it real for them so we spoke briefly earlier about the media and how we're bombarded with stories that are very miserable (laughs) you you write for the south china morning post so what role does truth telling play in that for you i think it is true that that there are dire you know things that happen around the world and they need to be written about that's fair enough But I do think that there is, my personal truth is that there's so much positive that's going on in the world as well. There's so much joy, there's so much hope, and it's juxtaposed against all of this. And and I think it's important that we shine a light on that. Um, I'll give you an example. I recently wrote an article about a UK-based Chinese um, cancer survivor, and and she was devastated. And she broke the news to her family. And when they turned around and said, "Well, actually, four of us have already had it and been treated," Ooh, yeah, she was shocked. No one had come and told her, but it was just not the done thing. It was not the right. Asian way yeah. to say that. She was so angry, but she channeled her anger into making her journey of recovery so public on social media that she yeah. raised so much awareness, and she raised money, and she raised awareness for cancer patients. And and it's incredible how she turned something that was so dark, well, yeah into something so hopeful for so many um and i love stories like that and i think we need to read more stories like that if they're uplifting they're encouraging and and they're there for the world to see we just kind of like definitely and i think you know that that makes me think of your own ted talk and your own journey you talked about the fact you've been through your own dark times and i think it's wonderful when people can use that to fortify them to go on to do wonderful things it's great about that. i mean i certainly had a lot of help it was it was an amazing experience and i, I was very very fortunate to be with tedx to how women and have a buddy and have a coach and have that time to self-reflect and come up with my own idea worth sharing yeah. I actually think every single person in this world should do a TEDx talk because it just <laughs> it gives you that opportunity to find that nugget inside you. And I, I believe everyone has that nugget, at least one nugget, yeah. mm-hmm. something so unique and so powerful to share that would impact other people. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah cool. Maybe we'll see you do a TEDx talk sometime, Danny. Uh, <laughs> well, I think I would like to actually, but it's just, yeah, it's finding that, that nugget. What would it be? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, certainly doing this is a wonderful experience because I just get to learn so much and meet so many people. And uh, yeah, and, and it's great that we can kind of spread, um, spread the word about people's work um, far and wide. So yeah, so where can, speaking of which, where can people find your work? Okay, well, my, my work is available on my website, Um, and there's free shipping worldwide. Awesome. Um, it's available in several 
stores in Hong Kong Cookazine, uh, especially, and it's available on Amazon India and Amazon in the US. It's available in Daunt Books in Marlborough okay. High Street in the UK. Uh, so all over really, but if you, if you want to find that information, it's all there on my website or on my Facebook page. Brilliant. And obviously I'll share the links um, on our Heart in Art Facebook page as well. Thank um, you. Really. I think since yesterday when you put some of my links up, I've already had three orders of books. So I have to say amazing. thank you very much. Yay. <laughs> well, that's what we want. And, you know, just so that more children get the opportunity to see themselves represented in fiction. Yes. Actually, yeah. during, during this very bleak time of COVID, I was really surprised to find my book being shared on, with different, on, on different school websites because oh. it resonated with just this idea that, you know, we need to find resilience and strength in the midst of all this. And here's an example of what people did so many years ago. And if they can do it, we, we can, can do, do it. Too. And, yeah. 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 Um, and I do think that. And so I really appreciate the power of connection. And I thank mm. you for, for hosting me on this. And and I do hope that, you know, we get some feedback on this book. And um, I look forward to hearing and seeing more of your podcasts and all the interesting people that you're going to host. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you again for your time. Thanks. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Yes. Yeah.